you for listening to this message from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries in Gunnison, Colorado. We hope you will visit us at rmcmchurch.org, like our Facebook page, or subscribe to our messages on YouTube. So you can uh, open your Bible this morning over to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5. See if I can get this up on the screen. Um, For those of you that are visiting with us or are newer, uh, this summer we've just been going through various passages. My tongue doesn't want to work this morning, so it could be interesting. Uh, Various passages in the Gospels. And uh, so this morning, we're going to look at a couple of verses out of Matthew chapter 5. I'm sure this will go beyond this morning, and I don't want to rush through this. So so let's just begin reading here this morning in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 13. We'll read a couple of verses here. So Jesus speaking, of course, he says, You are the salt of the earth. You are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. So Jesus, in those verses, speaking to his followers, he says, you are the salt of the earth, and you are the light of the world. He didn't say you can hope to become the salt of the earth. He didn't say some of you are the salt of the earth. He didn't say three of my closest disciples are the salt of the earth, and say any of those things. We know that in, other, in another place, Jesus said, about himself. I am the light of the world. And here he's saying to us, his followers, you are the light of the world. When God says you are, you are. When when God says in his word, when he he's he's declaring something about our being, not not about our behavior Okay, but he's declaring something that we are to his followers, to those who believe in him, to those, uh, you know, today, this would be for for believers, for the church. It's kind of interesting to me that this word are, this is is like, in the Greek language, there's so many words that have so much more meaning than they do in English. You know, we use the word are. We understand that that's a, it's, a, it's an existence or a, a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's a verb that declares that something exists. And, and that's true in, in the Greek too. It means to have existence. But the exact same word is used to describe what God created at creation. When, when he spoke the universe into existence, this, this word would be used to describe that. When he created people, there's a creative, 
there is a there is a God declaration inherent in this word. When he says you are, he is creating something. Whenever God impresses upon us, and, and throughout the New Testament, this is a big message. There are many places where God declares who we are because of what Jesus did and our acceptance and putting faith in his sacrifice, it we are changed. We become new. I'll give you a little list in a few minutes. But this word is used to describe creation in Genesis in the, the Septuagint, which is a Greek translation of the Old Testament. This word describes something that God has spoken into being that did not previously exist in its current state or condition. Okay, and I, um, the scripture tells us over in Hebrews that everything that exists came from what is not visible. Okay, everything that exists, God spoke out of what is invisible to us and created everything that's visible. And again, that's kind of a, okay, there's a concept. Well, there's a real, there are many practical applications to that truth. And in fact, even I was reading something the other day, and actually I wanted to go back and, and have more for you on this. I, I didn't have time to get into it all this week, but uh, even some of the early scientific discoveries where um, whether it was about electricity, whether it was about atomic power, uh, you know, nuclear power, that kind of thing, some of the early adopters, some of the early scientists went from a belief, an inherent belief that the physical world came from an invisible world, okay? Something that we can't see can be used, can be brought into the physical world. And if you think, and I, I'm, I'm not sure that this is perfectly applicable because I didn't finish the article, but um, the electricity that runs these lights, we can't see it, right? Can anybody in here, any of you guys? I can't. Can't see the electricity, but it can be used in a certain way, and it produces something we can see, right? Nuclear power, we can't see inside those atoms, but somebody figured out there was something in there and started using that to generate this tremendous power. I mean, there are lots of applications of this, but the idea is when, when God brought creation out, he brought something out of the unseen world. And when God, when we give our lives to Jesus, and the Bible says we become a new creature in him, a new creation in him, right? Second Corinthians chapter 5. We, I think after we've heard that, four or 500 times, we tend to, it's just kind of like, okay, I'm a new creation. Well, again, in the Greek language, there are different words translated new in English. That one means a brand new creation that never existed before. And it doesn't mean you, you're, and that happens in our spirit man. When we give our lives to Jesus, the Bible says we become, we don't always act like, but we become, the truth is, inherent in us, you are a totally new creation. That old man 
has passed away. The Bible says old things have passed away and all things are new and all things are of God. Well, that's talking about something that happened in your spirit. It's not something we can see, but it is real. It is a reality. And that real you is going to live throughout eternity. Actually, the old you would have lived throughout eternity too, but that wouldn't have been as pleasant. The new you is going to have a lot better eternity than the old you would have. You know, I just talked about water baptism. One of the things, when when we do water baptism, we're having a funeral for the old person, dead, buried with Christ, and we're having a wedding ceremony for the new person who comes up out of that water. And it's just, it's, the, it's symbolic, but there's something really rich behind it. I say all of that to say, when you're reading your Bible, I'm reading my Bible, we need to look for those verses that say you are such and such in Christ. And, and those verses will fight with how you feel about yourself sometimes. They will fight with how you perceive your history, how you perceive some of your behavior. This is true for all of us. It'll, those things will fight with what the world says to you. They'll certainly fight with what the devil wants you to believe. Okay, those truths, you know, we call them in him truths. Where, where your Bible will say you are such and such in him or you have such and such in him or in Christ or with him or through him. Look for those phrases because when God says it, it's a reality. And from that point, when we accept it as a reality about ourselves, it's going to take a while to renew our minds to that reality. The Bible says there in 2 Corinthians 5, we're new creatures in Christ. Well, I know there's still some residue from that old creature in me, but day by day through the word and through the spirit, the Lord is remodeling me to look more like what he's already done on the inside. It's the process of, of renewing the mind. That's, you know, that the scripture talks about. It goes on to say, you are the righteousness of Christ in him. And righteousness there doesn't mean perfect behavior. It means right relationship. You are in perfect right relationship with him. You are. And so on the days when you don't feel like that, you either feel, I think Karen said it this morning, if you're feeling like sometimes like God is distant or you're feeling like he's got you out somewhere to you know, kind of set you aside, put you on the shelf, she, she said, if you feel like God is distant, guess who moved? Because God doesn't move. God doesn't separate himself from you. There's nothing in all creation that can separate you from the love of God, right? So in that, so okay, I, the Bible says I'm in right relationship with him. It says I'm a new creature in Christ. When I don't feel like it, It's my feelings that need to change because the scripture is eternally true and my feelings sometimes are true. (laughs) It's nice when they're true. Uh, But, you know, we struggle with our feelings. We struggle with what other people have said about us or done to us or things we have done. And it makes us feel like what the Bible is saying about me is not true. We have to take the scripture in those moments 
and think on them and meditate them and pray them because it's us, it's our perception that needs to change. The scripture isn't going to change. Are you with me? Okay. So Jesus says, you are. This Again, this word is used to emphasize an existing state, condition, or character of a thing. So this is where, you know, we, we begin to take up this phrase, I am who God says I am. And I can do what God says I can do. That's not arrogant. That's agreeing with what God has said. Okay? And that doesn't mean that you're going to feel it instantly, that you're going to do it instantly. But what we want to do is spend time with the Lord and spend time in his word to where we begin. This new nature is in me. That is my nature. When I sin, when I blow it, when I do things on a regular basis, I'm acting contrary to my nature. That's a totally different thought than saying, because I blow it, because I sin sometimes, because I do that, I'm just still the corrupt old person and I need to get born again, again, and again, and again, and again, and again. That's not true. If you've given your life to Jesus, you are what God says you are. So, I know I'm laboring that, but this is something I think all of us, you know, we struggle with this. So, so here just, here's just a short list, all right? Scripture says you are born of God, born of God. Jesus said we needed to be born of water in the flesh. We needed to be born of God, born of the Spirit. The Bible says you are a child of God. You are God's beloved, you are a co-laborer with Christ. He invited us into that. We are a co-laborer with him. The Bible says we are joint heirs with Jesus. Think of Jesus' inheritance. You're a joint heir with him. This is what the, I'm just, we're just reading the Bible. You know, we're not making stuff up here. You are forgiven. Either the blood of Christ was powerful enough to wash away sin, like it tells us it, it was, or it's not. Okay, so, so if I stand up and say, well, I can't be forgiven, what I'm saying, and I know we never mean this, but what I'm saying is, yeah, what Jesus did wasn't powerful enough for my life. Okay, nah, you're not that bad. Okay, you're not, you're, you're really not. You are forgiven, you are redeemed. That means you're purchased out of slavery. You're seated at the right hand of God in Christ. That puts a different perspective on life right there. When we start to see ourselves seated at the right hand of Christ above all this other stuff. You are anointed. You are called. You are sent. You are qualified, the Bible says, by the Holy Spirit, not by your behavior. You are justified. That means acquitted, declared not guilty. You are equipped. You are healed. You are delivered. You are set free. I could go on all morning with what the Bible tells us we are. Okay, and it's so important that we get that. So there are a lot of things in life that want to define who you are. There are a lot of, there's, you know, the world wants us to be something different than we are for sure. The devil wants to tell you who you are. Other people want to tell you who you are. If they're agreeing with what God says you are, Awesome. Those are your friends, by the way. Mark those people. Those are your actual friends. They're, if they're agreeing with what God says, those are your friends. 
All right? But there are a lot of things out there, our past histories, our, you know, the way we grew up. There are all kinds of things that, that try to define who we are. And I just say to you this morning, nobody has the right to define who you are, but your creator. He created you with purpose and for purpose. And he created you uniquely for something that he has a partnering uh, to, to have and to live with, with you in your life. And so we have to decide, no matter how it feels, no matter how big a battle it is, we have to decide, I'm not going to let these other voices define who I am. I'm just going to have this voice define who I am. And I'm going to start taking the time to, to meditate on those verses that talk about who I am. It's not, and I know sometimes, you know, there's a lot of eyes in what I just said. And I, I don't want this to come across as, oh, I'm, I'm going to become arrogant. I'm going to hold that over somebody. No, no, no. If anything, this will take you down a path of humility like no other to know that the Lord says about you today, today, he knows you. He knows me like nobody else knows me. And yet, we just sang it this morning, he loves us to the core. And he says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Let that scripture speak to you personally in the present tense. We need to let the scripture speak to us personally in the present tense, okay? So, so he says, first, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Let me just say this, both of those statements. Uh, and the one, he says, you are the salt of the earth. This is who you are. But he says, salt can lose its saltiness. And he says, you're also the light of the world. A light can be covered. So there's kind of two ideas there. On the one, he's saying, don't let your saltiness don't let that get leached out of you, okay? Don't get that, don't let that, you know, if you think about salt, you know, that saltiness is that inherent quality that defines salt. You know, I know some of you could, you know, you could give me a chemical breakdown and blah, 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 fine. But if I, if I have salt and sugar, okay, and they're not marked and they're not in different One's not in a nice little bowl with a spoon and the other one in a shaker, okay? They look very similar. And if I gave those both to you and said, which one's salt, which one's sugar, what are you going to do? Yeah. And because that flavor is an inherent, internal, invisible quality in salt that makes salt, salt. But Jesus is saying that can be lost. And then the only thing you can do is throw it, out on, throw it out on the road. And we know that salt has various inherent qualities. It's the same thing with light. There, there's a specific, there are specific characteristics that make light light. And then there are specific effects that light has. There are specific characteristics that make salt salt. And then there's the effect. Salt has a number of effects. Jesus pulls these two. I don't think those were just arbitrary that he said you're the salt of the earth and you are the light of the world. So in the 
got ahead of myself there. So salt, he kind of says, don't let, don't let what, what is in you that makes you who you are, don't let that get taken away. All right, so we can talk about there are lots of things that can drain the life out of us. All right, and I'm talking about the life of Christ, not just being tired, okay? Uh, and, but with, with the light, he's talking about purposely covering it or hiding it. It doesn't go out. He didn't, he didn't talk here about it being snuffed out or put out, just covered. The light's still shining, but it's being covered, okay? So that would be us deciding for some reason to let, you know, to withhold the light that's in us, you know, to, to cover it, to not let it shine, okay? To not let good works come out of our life so that the Father's glorified and, and that kind of thing. But so, so let's talk about salt for a minute. You still with me? Okay. Salt is recognized by its flavor. That's, you know, we just said, you know, and so it's, it's, that's primarily, we know it has other characteristics, but the biggest thing is its saltiness. And that is an inherent quality that salt has inside. You don't see it. We don't see the flavor in salt, but it's in there. But its influence it has the power, put it that way, to influence the world around it, right? We put salt on food for a reason, because it will influence the flavor of the food. And, and so salt only fulfills its potential, okay, when it is put on something or mixed into something. And the same is true of us. So so the idea, just think about, so, so we are all, we're followers of Christ. We are the salt of the earth, the salt of the earth. I mean, I, I guess I grew up with that in, you know, it was something that people said, oh, you're the salt of the earth. They didn't necessarily say that about me. But, you know, oh, they're the salt of the earth. Well, what does that mean? What Jesus is saying is there are inherent qualities in you, and I'm going to sprinkle you in the earth and you, those internal qualities are going to change, going to influence the environment around you. That's a big idea. And that's what he is, is saying here. Salt either, so, so if we just dump salt on the side of the plate and don't stick our french fries in it or anything, but just put it over here, it doesn't influence the food. And, and so we gather as believers in here, but Jesus said that, or, or the scripture tells us that when we gather together, we gather together to be equipped to go out there and be the church. So this is a very important thing that we do. It's not, it's not bad for us to be gathered on the side of the plate, but the point of us being gathered on the side of the plate is so that he can sprinkle us back out into our families and workplaces and communities and everything so that those internal invisible qualities of Christ that reside in you through the new birth and through the Holy Spirit being in you can influence the world out there. And as soon as we start thinking about that, we start thinking, oh, well, I don't know enough of the Bible and I don't da-da-da-da-da. It's not just about that. I mean, it's great to, you want to keep growing in that, but it's not about that. It's not about having the exact right argument and the, the exact right way to approach everybody, and, and gee, I'm scared, and all that stuff. That's 
That's all of us, okay? There's something he has done. You are in this state and condition. You carry, we are created to carry him on the inside. And when you get sprinkled into your workplace or, or whatever it might be, there is an influence of Christ that goes forth through you being there. Some of it is outward. Some of it is you expressing Christ. That's true. But the Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit is both in us and on us. There is, you do carry the presence of God. If, if we just trust in this, we can bring peace into chaos. We can bring healing into disasters. We can, you know, we, there is influence there just because you're there. Then there's influence that we, we release also. Okay, but salt has to be added. And salt has the ability to release its flavor into things. We like that. But it also apparently has this ability to bring out the flavor that's in the thing that it's sprinkled on, which that's really interesting to me. It can actually enhance what's there. And so when you, believer, go out into your world, I believe, and we need to believe, we need to approach this whole thing with faith, that not only can you bring the influence of Christ into that place, but you know, everybody you interact with, they're not necessarily, it's, it's wrong to say that every person is a child of God. I know that's a popular saying in the world, it's not true. They are all creations of God, though. You become a child of God when you make Jesus the Lord of your life. But, but everybody's a creation of God, and so everybody was created for a divine purpose, and everybody has some gifts on the inside of them. And one of the things that salt does is it brings out what's there. This is all just to say, we need to let him, where is he sprinkling you? And you need to be sure it's him sprinkling you, you know. I mean, we can sprinkle ourselves and that doesn't work as well. It doesn't carry as much life. But, but where is he putting you? Where are you? Try to go into that day knowing that, you know what? This isn't, this isn't my doing, but the inherent qualities of Christ are going with me. And so that creates opportunity for the people around you. It creates opportunity for you to minister to people. It creates opportunity for people to be ministered to. And sometimes not even in ways they even know. I mean, we pray over the places that we go. We trust God to bring, you know, Jesus said, you walk into a house, you can release peace into that house. And sometimes it's received and sometimes it's not. But you have that ability because you're salt and you're light. That salt carries inherent qualities on the inside and it has an effect wherever, it's gone, wherever it goes. Does that make sense to you? Does it? Yeah. I, can, I can keep hammering this. If... <laughs> I know this is simple, but it's like, whoa, you know. Salt also, I've only got a few minutes. We aren't even going to get to light today. <laughs> salt also has that preservative quality. It delays or restrains corruption. And the Bible tells us that when the, when the church finally gets taken out of the earth, or, or if you believe that's a pre-tribulation idea, I do. Some don't, that's fine. It, none of us are sure. To be very honest, there's, there's good people that have various ideas about the end times. I've looked into all of them. Everybody has a few scriptures that really weigh on their side. I, 
I think he didn't tell us, but just whatever resonates with you of one of those, grab it. I personally believe the church will be taken out before the tribulation. So I can make this point today. When the church that is restraining corruption just by its very existence, we're not always very good at that. And yet, when it's taken out, things are going to get way worse real fast. Okay? Salt does that. You put it on a piece of meat, it will preserve it. We are, by our very existence, and hopefully by more than just occupying space, we are restraining corruption. It's part of what salt does. And Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. Whenever, you know, and I'll just say it. I know I've said this a couple times this morning. Things like this, they go off in you, then you, may, you probably don't feel often like you're having that kind of influence wherever it is you're going, wherever you are. Put faith into what the scripture says and that influence will increase. You got to put faith in things that we can't see and they don't always happen overnight, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16, I'll just read it to you. It says, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. So here's a, here's a fragrance, okay? For we are, we are, we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one, we are the smell of death. To the other, we are the fragrance of life. Okay? So we are, what was that? Second Corinthians chapter 2. Is that the wrong verse? 14 through 16. Is that right? Doesn't sound right, but that's what I, that's what I wrote down. Karen will find it. Second Corinthians 2. Yeah, it could be right. It could be. This is, this is just a test for you to look up in your Bibles. Yes, Karen says that is right. Why, why would you even question? I mean, okay, so anyway, so, so we are the fragrance of Christ. To some people, that's the fragrance of life. It's a beautiful thing. To some people, it's the fragrance of death. Okay, we just got to live with that. That's not our responsibility. The people that we smell like death right now, they can change. Their smeller can change to where we begin to smell like life. Okay, things don't struggle to put out an odor. Sometimes we struggle not to put out an odor. Okay, but, you know, so this is an inherent quality where we go. Part of this is, what we do, and we choose not to put a cover over our lamp. We choose to go ahead and talk to people about the Lord. We choose to serve people and to show the love of God to people. We choose those things. We decide to do them. Sometimes we're nervous about it, scares us. Sometimes we get, sometimes we really get a great response, and sometimes we don't. Sometimes we get a response 12 years later. We just put that out there. But part of this also is just the presence of God on your life. It's, it's, you, are, you are this fragrance that's being released out there. We can think about, you know, uh, fresh bread, chocolate chip cookies, skunks, you know. I mean, there's dead deer by the road, you know. There, there are various fragrances, okay. 
But what we're carrying is the fragrance of Christ. The scripture says this, you are the fragrance of Christ. All right, let me just for just real quick, well, two things. Number one is the Bible talks about glory a lot. And the idea of glory, we think of it as the radiance of God. We think of those, and, and all that's true. But essentially what it means is the essential qualities that make God, God. Okay, those are his glory. And then at times that glory is shown forth. Okay, so he's omnipotent. He, you know, he's all powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere at once. Things like that. He is, he is love. He is, you know, there are qualities that make God, God. But the scripture also says that in creation, he put glory in every part of creation. Stars have glory, animals have glory, you have glory. And what that is, is the inherent qualities that he put in. Not everything about us at this point, but what he put in. And when that is expressed, there's a beauty to it. There's, there's something, you know, and I always use this expression when you, you know, horses were made to run and when they run, it's a beautiful thing. You know, hawks and eagles were made to use air currents and soar, not just fly, but soar. And when they do, it is a beautiful thing, okay? It's, there's something just so attractive in those things. When we see, we see the flowers of the field made to do their thing. They're just, there's, there's something beyond just, oh, that's pretty to my eye. There's something on the inside. It's the same thing with these qualities God has put in you. So we're not going to get into this. We don't have time this morning, but... He also said, you're a lamp. Just remember going out. He said, you're a light. City set on a hill, can't be hidden. He said, you know, you don't want to put that under a basket. There are a couple different applications to that that we won't get into today. But remember that when he talks about a light, he's talking about a lamp that was designed to contain oil. Okay, the oil, and the, all through the scripture, oil is a representative of the Holy Spirit. It contains that oil. In that oil, it just looks like oil to us, but there's the ability to release all this power and, and light. And then that thing was designed with a wick that draws that oil that's in it up and releases it as light energy, okay? And, and so he's saying, that's what you're like. You're created to contain the Holy Spirit, to have the Holy Spirit within you. But also a part of you is to draw that spiritual life up and release it through your life, through your words, through your actions, through the different things that you do. We're designed this way. Well, that lamp needs to be refilled and refilled and refilled, okay? So we need to come back to the Lord again and again and just be refilled with his spirit in times with him and you know, uh, in his presence on our own, in our own devotional times, in times when we gather like this, when we begin to worship, that is a time for you to be refilled, okay? We get filled again, and then every once in a while, that wick needs to be trimmed and shaped, and that's that whole process Jesus talked about pruning us so that we could produce more fruit over in John 15. So those are just all processes, and where I want to go from here, you know, probably next week is, I want to talk about how do we maintain that stuff? How do we stay strong and all that stuff? Because there are several places in the scripture that talk about it. So did you get anything out of this? All right.
let's stand up and pray this morning. We'll get ready to be dismissed. So, yeah, I'll say this again. It goes for people online too. And I don't know everybody in the room. If, if you're here and you've never had the opportunity or taken the opportunity or felt impressed to make Jesus the Lord of your life, what the Bible tells us is that we just believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he died for your sins and he was raised from the dead. If you've never had or taken that opportunity, and then we confess that, we say it out loud. And so I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to embarrass anybody. That's a decision you make in your heart. But I would love to pray with you if you want to pray that prayer today. Is there anybody here who's never made Jesus the Lord of your life? Again, I'm not interested in, in embarrassing anybody. This is a decision everybody in this room has made. And we're all really thankful for it. Okay. And then Jesus also taught to people who had made him the Lord of of their life, that they could be filled, baptized in the Holy Spirit, saturated with the Holy Spirit. And it's a different experience than being born again. It's a different experience than water baptism. It is a saturation with the Holy Spirit. And he said, you will become my witnesses. You will have power to be my witnesses when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit. If there's anybody here that has never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, you're interested in that. Even if you just want some scriptures to go home and look at, I'd love to talk to you after service or pray with you to receive that baptism. Okay? All right? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for what you're doing on the inside of us. We thank you, Lord, that as we go out of this place, we recognize we go out into all these different environments as salt and as light. And as you have breathed that into us, Lord, we just make ourselves available for you to Show us how to release all of that into the environments around us, into every relationship, into every workplace, into every place we go. Father, we're so grateful for that level of partnership with you. So Lord, we look into this week and we see opportunity. We see new mercies. We see life ahead of us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So we're going to be dismissed. There's lots of goodies out there. I hope you'll stay and enjoy some fellowship with one another. We're going to say Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin. It's a good thing this is written back there. I've only been saying it for 30 years. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin in the world, and we're going to be dismissed. One, two, three. Jesus is Lord over the Gunnison Basin and the world. Go out there and be the church. You are listening to a podcast from Rocky Mountain Christian Ministries. For more information about our church, please visit us at rmcmchurch.org.